it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa in quarantine. This is crazy, guys. Can you believe how long this is going on? Oh my God. So just so you know, um, we, my husband and I have, as I say, decamped to Denver, Colorado from Bushwick. And I'm obviously doing this. I'm going to, I have such a great guest today. I have Elon Danziger, guys. This is somebody I've wanted to interview for ages. He's a really great, um, I love his show. He's a really like super talented guy and one of the few people um, that actually started with, when he started the station, he had a lot of experience in radio. He'd been, an, you know, he, he's a, trained actor he had done radio through colleges so his show is right after mine lost and rewound and i'm gonna let him tell you about himself but anyway so we've got him so but anyway so i just wanted to tell you like it's so weird to be in quarantine right and now i feel like i'm a little spoiled because we got out of town and my dog this is what i've learned about um my my dog is more emotionally dependent on my husband than i am that's what i learned we brought our dog with us. It's a six pound dog and it's barking in the background. My dog like is so, I never realized how much my dog needs my husband. That's when I'm learning. My dog is upset because my husband just went out to uh, go shopping. Anyway, um, so thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. That's the most important thing. We are the greatest radio station in the Western hemisphere. And it's really one of the things that has really kept me and I think a lot of us going throughout this sequesteredness because it's something that all the hosts have kept going, whether, you know, without the studio, we've all learned how to record at home, like I have, and stuff like that. And we have these great Friday night um, happy hours. And so um, what I'm trying to say, folks, is you should support us, okay? You really should. So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate and um, you know what to do. Because it's a really, you know, there's so much going on. And, you know, I've always said one of the things that I'm most proud about our our station is the diversity. Like, I, it's really, it's real, which I am, which I enjoy so much about it. Like, you know, with this whole Black Lives Matter thing, well, it matters. But, you know, I think our station is so diverse anyway that I don't feel like we have to, I mean, maybe we do, I, should, I shouldn't be speaking for, but we do have a very integrated with age, race, everything, interests. So, we 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 were there we've been there i feel like i'm proud of the i'm proud of our station okay there we go um ilan how are you i'm great lisa thank so you for having good me good to see you well isn't this great that we're finally getting to do this it's only taken four years lisa it's taken is that how long i've been with the station five you've been with the station four did you start out in the basement of the bike shop oh sure Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm remembering now. I'm oh, remembering. sure. Yeah. I have a terrible I, I, memory. It, I, I remember uh, very well uh, that first month of uh, coming into the studio and uh, 
<laughs> I totally must have gotten like something wrong because Tom, uh, the station manager, yelled at me for uh, the first, like one of the first times I recorded. And it took me a couple of weeks, maybe a couple months until I got the swing of things. But uh, the, the kind of the things were sort of changing very uh, rapidly anyway with like things that you had to do, things that you shouldn't be doing. I know, he's really scary, right? Oh, no, no, he's a total sweetheart. Oh, no, no, but he really, like, I've talked to him about this. I yeah. Mean, I interviewed him, you know, we did a session a few weeks ago since the pandemic. Yeah. And um, I was asking him about that because he used to get really angry. And um, he he's actually uh, changed his medication. Did oh, you know yeah. That? Uh, yes, I did, in fact. Yeah, that's why you did. Yeah, and he's so much more chill now. Yeah. I, I realized, I mean, I have my own issues because I have so many authority. I've got bad authority problems. But the thing that I noticed about him, the thing that I learned, Tom, I've worked out a lot. Of, I know this is about you, Elon, but I, Tom has helped me enormously, inadvertently, work out a lot of my issues because I've had yeah. so many issues with authority figures because I was afraid of my parents and all authority yeah. figures. And them. But he, I've really worked out a lot of my issues because he's a really ultimately supportive guy and he when he gets angry kind of doesn't mean it yeah i mean i can't begin to tell you I, I, this is if there's one overarching thing that might sound uh, boring and monotonous by the end of this interview it's that i i, I do have a lot of gratitude and uh my gratitude yeah, you're right tom, my gratitude for tom is never ending because he and rob gave me a platform to bring my show idea uh to Radio Free Brooklyn. It wasn't even an idea. It was an actual podcast that existed. Uh, and I uh, pitched them the idea and then uh, I was brought on. So I'm very yeah. grateful for that. Well, uh, and I'm sure they're grateful to you. I know they are, or at least I am. I am, I am very grateful that you're part of this station. I think you're a really valuable, active community member. But Thank you know you. what, but you know what, um, Elon, that's such a great segue into, um, describing your show because i would like you to tell our listeners what your show is and it's right after mine it's a really great show and it's a really interesting concept and i want you to describe it lost and rewound is originally based out of recordings that i produced when i was very young i'm talking like 11 years old 12 years old i was always clearly meant to be on the radio because I was making my own radio show with a tape recorder. So I had my uh, tape recorder, I made 50 tapes, and then they sat collecting dust on my bookshelf for years. And then, I don't know, like, I got stoned one time in the backyard of my friend Doug's apartment in the, on the Upper East Side, and I brought up the idea that maybe it'd be fun to rediscover those sounds and make a podcast about it. And so we did that. And then I was like, well, wait a second. Well, this is also an opportunity to see who else out there made recordings of similar variety when they were younger. And that's been the ultimate, the framework for Lost and Rewound is basically listening back to the sounds of our youth and learning a little bit about who we were back then and connecting the dots to like figure out how we got from there to here to, you know, our adult life. Mm -hmm. And it's so, and, and 
when I was developing the idea, I would like, like any good creator, I would write things down, except I wasn't writing it down. I was literally like, <laughs> I was, I put like the voice memo on my phone. I, I seem to recall I have like an eight minute voice memo while I was driving, probably stone, but mm -hmm. even still, just like listening back to what I had said, I was so glad that I recorded it because it encapsulated what I was thinking. We're obsessed with like our everyday lives. We're obsessed with the things we eat. We're obsessed with the things that, uh, you know, w w where, where we go. Well, what mm. about the things that we ate when we were younger? What about the things that we were going? I mean, we are so comfortable sharing everything about our lives now. Why should we be so ginger to share about, uh, share the thing about, about ginger about sharing the things I should say that we, who we were back then. And so huh. that was, that's the impetus for Lost and Rebound is being able to get embarrassed with each other because chances are we're going to be revealing a lot about who we used to be and letting our guard down a little bit. Huh. That's interesting. Just, I mean, I love, I love how you describe it. And I think that is a really important part of the show, but for if, if you haven't heard the show personally, one of the reasons I like it is because I love the themes of the music. Like it's, it's music that middle schoolers listen to, but it's, it's like, it's, I love that kind of music because, I mean, there's a huge range obviously, but I love that kind of music, but it also brings back, I mean, I'm a generation probably older than you. Yeah. Or I don't know. I'm a lot We're we're not, we weren't, I was like probably earning a living while you were in middle school or something. But the thing is, or trying to earn a living, I'll say that. But the thing is, is that there's a certain level of easy joy in the music often. At least the last one I listened to, like it sure. brought back all those songs that I love from the, that era, even though it wasn't my middle school era. But I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be able to put that playlist together myself. I, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't think of how to do it. You have to focus on that middle school thing. The episode you're talking about, because uh, uh, full disclosure, uh, when, when someone hears this, uh, uh, I have not had the opportunity to uh, archive the last couple weeks uh, of mm -hmm. the new episodes, but the episode you heard with Emily and Jamie. Emily from Scott from another host from Objection to the Rule. And Middle School Happy Hour with her friend and roommate. Yes, and her, right, of course. And so Jamie and Emily are like, I mean, they're, first of all, like us and Tom with Frequency Theory, we're all Thursday uh, uh, right. superstars uh, here on RFB. So uh, they right. have a show uh, on 10 p.m. tonight that people should listen to because that's a lot of fun. And they're kind of in the same wheelhouse of what we're doing. The music they that really they grew close. up with. Yeah, the music that they listened to, they decided to treat that as a, a springboard for having other people come on to share their middle school music experiences of which, as you alluded to, yeah, it runs a gamut. So, mm -hmm. you know, the sounds of our youth, you know, in audio form, um, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, w with video or, be, or audio being the dominant feature, you know, recordings from our past, you know, that can be translated in many different ways. I mean, if there's but, somebody who's younger who has their stuff on YouTube versus yeah. somebody like yourself or Tom, Tom who yeah, has older I recordings. Uh, you know, we should, yeah, because I was thinking my middle school years were like 1968, 1969. We'd have some really good, we'd have some like really good music. But anyway, you probably have had people in my 
my age group on, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, a couple, not not terrible yeah, amount. But, but that uh, kind of music, like we were so lucky, we didn't even know it, you know. And I had an older brother, so. But let's let's get into like the idea of middle school, which is such a. I think it's a really pivotal time because yep. I think, you know, in in my impression, my my sense from being a self proclaimed psychotherapist for all, you know, almost twenty years now, I've been doing amazing. This, uh, is that, uh, and I don't charge folks. I, this is totally a hobby, uh, 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 a passion. Anyway, so the thing is, is that middle school, I am yet to hear somebody talk about middle school as a great time. And, and I've talked to all sorts of people, successful people, you know, Ha very happy people, unhappy people, all sorts of people. Um, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get uh, anything different than that <laughs> for this hour. I, my middle school time was horrible. Uh, I, I mean, it could have been much worse. I certainly no. saw kids who were treated much worse than I was. Uh, but, you know, I, it was nothing uh, short of, uh, you know, being a new kid at a school and the ramifications uh, of that on, on, on itself uh, are already so enough. So here's how I think we're going to do this session. I'm going to tell you my impressions about you from knowing okay. you. Okay. And then, um, then we're going to find out about your middle school years and see if any of that stuff like turned you into who you are today or something like that. How's Beautiful. that? Beautiful. On it. Okay. So anyway, guys, I'm going to tell you my impressions of Elon. Okay. And Elon and I had a brief chat like well, I do, you know, with with all my guests um, before this started. And Elon would agree with me that our relationship, as most of our relationships with the people at Radio Free Brooklyn, we're all very, um, there's a real strong bond between all the hosts or most of the hosts. I think almost all the hosts. I mean, it's like a religion. We love our station and we love our shows and our shows are all different and we're all interested in each other's shows. However, the thing the thing about it um, that's kind that's kind of cool is that our relationships, even though they're very friendly and and all that, it revolves so much around our work together that it feels more like a work relationship, like a really great work relationship where we're all collaborating on something together, but where that takes the center stage. So we don't know a lot about each other's say backgrounds, maybe partners, his personal histories, each other's Mishagas. We know what the Mishagas is with the radio, but not like in the life and shit like that. So Elon and I would say like, I mean, Elon, how many parties you've been to in my house? At least like four or five or something. Yeah, a handful, a handful, yeah. Yeah, Elon's great. He shows up for stuff and I've spent much so time socializing with Elon, but I don't know him that well. That's what I'm saying. And so um, this, is a, this is my impression of Elon. He's one of those people that, you're one of those people that um, is just very easy with people. Like he could, you know, they say somebody could talk to a wall. Well, Elon feels like somebody who isn't self-conscious about being friendly. And uh, that's a great gift. He's obviously a very intelligent guy. Um, he's always thinking, he's always got something to say. Um, 
he seems like a very trustworthy, decent human being that would do, like if an old lady needed to get across the street and Elon was on the other side, he'd run across, make sure that old lady was okay, and then help her across the street. He's that kind of guy. He's adorable. Aww. I mean, he's really cute. You know, I'm, I'm sure there are... He's very happily, very, 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 very happily married, which is something that I'm curious about because I, I had it. He's one of the most happily from the from my position. He's one of the most happily married men I can think of. People I can think of, uh, or appears to be. Um, what else can? And I think you have. A, I'm wondering if maybe you have a little bit of an anger issue because there were a couple of times that you got angry at me. And you were probably justified, but it made me uncomfortable. And it was like uh, like expressing some anger that just kind of dissipated, and I didn't think about it. But I, I'm like overreact to that kind of thing. So, do you have any anger issues? <laughs> um, my dad does. My dad did, maybe did. Um, like, and so, mean? well, it's very odd uh, that. I feel so much more like my dad as I get older, but yet I haven't retained that anger that I knew him so well for. But my, my parents are wonderful. I love them to death. And they have, they're still married after you know, 43 years. Wow. But um, my anger issues, if they do exist, um, are few and far between. And I almost always hide behind my dad's uh, DNA in me as the reason for that. Um, you know, my dad's a Scorpio. I'm mm -hmm. a Sagittarius. But, you know, a Scorpio being as, oh, and like any good water sign, very emotional. Um, mm -hmm. My father uh, did not have an easy upbringing. My father was, um, one, was the youngest of three, and his father passed away when he was 15. So he had a very he had a very disciplinarian upbringing uh, mm -hmm. from his mother. My grandmother was a fucking battle axe of a woman, um, and she was fantastic as a grandmother. But you know, I could see as I got older. Um, I'm, you know, my grandmother died when uh, I think a few days after Obama got elected. So she wow. got to see that before she died, which is pretty cool. Oh, that but, is cool. But she. Um, I could see even like growing into my twenties, like, like she's a hard nosed woman. Like, and so she raised my dad, uh, with a very strict thumb and, you know, her husband, you know, my dad's father, who I never met was not the nicest guy either. Um, he, from all I could tell though, I've never met him. He was, very hard. Sorry, could you hear? I've got like there's like a chainsaw outside. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, I, I I've got my dog barking in the back. Okay, fair. Background. Fair. That's what I Thanks. was wondering about. Well, quarantine. Um, no. Uh, so like you know he was kind of raised under a very strict thumb, and so raising kids for him was hard. Mm. And when his children got older, I have a younger sister who's four years my junior. Um, mm -hmm. when his kids were getting older. It, was, it would become progressively clearer. It became clearer how progressively harder it was for him to deal with growing teenagers because he did not have an easy upbringing. So when I think of anger problems, I think that like I have been lucky to be graced with a sort of 
sense of bringing it like bringing it all in like, like keeping it all in like the word would be uh suppressing it because i know what i'm capable of Re repressing it so how did your dad express his anger like what give me shouting name. just shouting and what, what shouting. was there a lot of shouting i would have a lot of arguments with my father yes uh-huh i would never be struck i would never be hit um, a, a, a famous story that my mother tells me is, is that I was spanked at a very young age and my mother told him that if you do that again, I'm leaving. And then he never spanked me again. <laughs> wow. Well, that's so, good. Yeah. But like, what kind of, was, would he like just react to something? Was his anger unpredictable? He just would lose his cool more than anything. He would just, he would be very uh, agitated. He would do things with, uh, forced nature like <laughs> actually to come to think of it this is something that I am called out for every now and again when I'm angry or I'm annoyed about something my wife will call me out it's like I'm doing the dishes and like something slams just like a little bit I don't think about it but like I'll take it out on inanimate objects I ah. never ever take it out on a human life or a right. dog or anything like I'll never ever put my anger and instill that on some one but maybe something see i'm and curious, I'm curious yeah. about that because um what what i guess happened was i mean i can be really annoying um <laughs> but but there was something i meant uh that i i mean i don't have any real memory of it and i'm just kind of um i don't remember what it was about and i remember i just remember thinking oh elon can get angry easily i was surprised and so i don't know what i said but i said something that made you angry and you briefly got angry and then it went away and you know i didn't think about it again i just noticed that you had some what felt like repressed anger and i was surprised to see it so you do have some repressed anger mm -hmm. i'm guessing but i'm wondering if so maybe there's some anger in your dna what do you think like there's yeah definitely yeah Definitely. Yeah. So I, by I, nature, I, it's your, there is in your nature, but I'm wondering if you're, you know, being fair, do you, do you get in do you express it enough? Or like, do you have a way to express it? Do you worry about expressing your anger? Is it something that you're rest that you wrestle with? Wow. Wow. Um, well, look, I mean, I'm an actor. Um, I've learned that, you know, to be an actor, you need to find, uh, not necessarily, find but be able to tap into those places that you need to in order to get the the to get the lines right, right. and right. so in a lot of my experience i have ebbed and flowed a little bit with different methods uh, I mean, i'm trained with strasberg and with and with meister oh. uh effectively which are entirely two different sides of the spectrum um because with uh meisner you're just more or less reacting and uh, working off of what your partners are doing. And with Straussberg, it's not even that. You have your own intention and you have, you're doing the emotional work that's required mm -hmm. for you to hit mm -hmm. those lines the way that you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And so you are absorbing and you're, you're thinking of moments that make you sad or angry or elated or are aroused or excited and or whatever. I mean, anything of under the sun. And I very early on had problems 
tapping into anger because not a lot would make me angry. I'd get upset mm-hmm. and I'd get sad. But um, I think it, it, it's sort of one note with the anger, the things that would make me angry. Mm-hmm. And I can think of one particular experience that I wrote about in a journal entry when I was young mm-hmm. uh, about the incident that I, I actually, uh, to this day, I've almost never started a fight. It's mm-hmm. taken me, it's taken a lot to make me mm-hmm. want to throw a punch. Um, mm-hmm. But I can maybe count uh, on, the, on one hand how many times I've been in a physical altercation with somebody. And the first time that happened was when a kid on the playground was taunting me and teasing me. And I had enough and I pummeled him. I, I, I pinned him to the ground and tried pummeling him. I doubt I made as much of a mark because I was like 47 pounds and like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like a weakling, but we were in fourth grade. So it's whatever. Um, yeah. I, and I got, and I think people, uh, the, the, you know, the higher ups, the teachers, the principal or whatever, didn't really care to scold me or reprimand me more than just like a slap on the wrist for the incident because I was not one for acting. Right, I was right, not right. one for doing that. But right. in that moment, like I had snapped because like I was clearly sent to a place where I needed to make my presence felt. I needed to show that I did not want this to continue happening. Did you feel like you lost control? Were you afraid? Yeah. Was it scary? Was that a scary feeling, losing control of your anger? At the time, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it was so long ago. Uh-huh. I, 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 speaking on, on uh, as somebody who is constantly uh, picking apart his childhood self to like figure out why I was doing that. And I know I've talked about this on my show, so I'm probably negating uh, contradicting something I said mm-hmm. on that episode. Oh, well, doesn't matter. <laughs> but, oh, well, exactly. That was years ago. Um, and this was even longer. Uh, I, yeah, I think I did. I think I did lose control. And I think I couldn't believe that I did it. Like, and it I was think scary, I was, right? Losing Yeah, control. I didn't like yeah. it. I was very uncomfortable with it. I, mm-hmm. I don't feel uncomfortable losing control. I don't feel comfortable uh, uh, being an antagonizer or uh, being uh, one to hurt somebody yeah Um, i wonder if if your interest in acting had something to do with wanting to control i mean you're obviously talented and stuff but i mean also like controlling your anger like it's kind of a positive way to shape your emotions and use your emotions and when i asked you about the anger you went right to to um talking about acting so i mean maybe that was part of what made you makes you a good actor is wanting that experience of using your emotions in kind of a palette to create something. I don't know. But I, I also I love wanted, performing. I, I also wanted to ask you about um, your gratitude. And like this is this is something that's like you know like the I I know I've noticed like you're incredibly humble and gracious and you have a lot of gratitude like whenever anybody you just always seem so grateful for things that guys you know how like most people this is what I'm trying to explain to you guys to you listeners so like you know how most people are like yeah that's cool I'm glad I have that or whatever like Elon is like I'm really lucky I'm so grateful I have that like the way he just talked about Tom like I I mean I love Tom and I'm 
really grateful for Tom, but I never talk about him that nice, you know, whatever. So what, 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 where do you think that's from your gratitude? Like you really are lucky. You feel really like you're so grateful how your life turned out or something. Are you? Um, Yeah, I I am. I am. I really am. I really am. Why, why is, why, why? I mean, you know, your life's pretty good, but it's not like, you know, you're not, I mean, I know, you know, I mean, your life's pretty good, but like, let's face it, guys, you know, it's not like he's, uh, you know, living, living some kind of dream. He's, uh, you know, working in real estate. He's got a radio show. He's got a great wife, a nice place to live, but no, like, second homes. No, you know, you got a normal life. What, what, why are you so grateful? Damn it. (laughs) Um, I think um, it's a sign of health, though. I think it's a really good. Ex- I think yeah, that, I, that kind of gratitude is what's going to make everybody happy. Gratitude is great. I'm just wondering how you got such a strong dose of it, and and it's cool that you have. It makes you a great person. I I I I'm very I'm very I'm very like concerned about losing people in my life. What do you mean by and, that? Well, because I think from a very early age, I wanted to be friends with everybody. Ah. I, and it's not because I wanted to be a people pleaser, because I know that you can't please everybody. And I learned that early on, too. But I think it was the fact that if I had a choice to be only friends with a few people versus friends with everybody, I would rather just be try to be friends with everybody because being able to be accepting of everybody. And so I guess my gratitude comes from the fact that I've been very, at least, you know, in hindsight, you know, considering the the state of the world um, that I've been able to stay in touch with people. And so I'm uh, grateful for the fact that people allow me in their life and that Mm. I can continue to build on whatever, relationships that we may have had and pick up where we left off and um Mm -hmm. not everybody and not everybody is going to be okay with that not everybody is in the same place and there are people who are you know having a lot of issues Mm -hmm. you know their health isn't great they've lost loved ones they've um seen you know they they, they, um they they are uh, have and continue to be on the recipient of uh you know really crummy uh treatment from work uh and and, you know i have been graced with so many opportunities and although i haven't capitalized on all of them Mm -hmm. i want to say that the ones that i'm taking now are putting me in this position where i feel at at least for now in a place of comfort Mm -hmm. and being comfortable has always been an obsession for me mm-hmm. because everything from the way I dress, from the checking in with people and just making sure that like, Hey, are we good? Are we cool? Hey, you know, like, um, am I doing a good job? Like there was a validation that, uh, eventually I started to say, you know what? I don't care about your validation. Mm. As long as I feel that I am doing a good job, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And so wow. the, stress, the stress of having to feel like I need validation 
from one social circle and the other mm -hmm. got to be like so much where I just said, you know, I'm just grateful to be here. And the fact that I have like literally like at the very base, somebody that I could come home to or be home with, mm -hmm. um, in Your such wife. a, yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. My wife of, uh, six years, almost Robin, yeah. uh, and that, you know, she's been able to uh, be a rock for me and mm. put me in my place for, like, when, like, I'm too much of a pushover or when I'm not, like, oh. being, uh, uh, you know, when I'm not being, um, when I'm not speaking out enough and, mm -hmm. you know, when I need to stand up for myself more. Right, um, right. So I think the gratitude just comes from the relationships that I have and the fact that I'm able to... Mm -hmm. um, be so, you know spread out so it sounds like you went through a period in your development uh where you really had a deep need to be liked i uh yeah i guess so i guess it's true i uh definitely was a glutton for love and uh it, well, it was not like uh, uh yeah sorry you were saying i was gonna say so i'm wondering where that came from I didn't have uh, an unloved childhood. My parents loved me very much. I have a sister who I still love very much to this day. Um, you know, as far apart as we are in distance, uh, she mm -hmm. and I have remained very close. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess it just came to be that I was always known as being an actor. So I was always a very gregarious person. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I just always wanted to be uh, able to be outgoing and be a part of things. And mm -hmm. there would be, there would be like, look, I, I remember one time that I invited myself to a party that wasn't even a party. And it like totally embarrassed me. And I couldn't believe that I did that. I remember I was in high school. I had a car and I just like drove. Like it made mm -hmm. no sense like doing that. Mm -hmm. But it was like what? one of those instances that was so minuscule and I just swept under the rug, but it like proved that like I even went to legs to want to socialize by like inviting myself to a party that I didn't need to go to. <laughs> I, I, I can relate to that. Um, but do you think maybe some of it is like from your dad? Did you feel like your dad didn't like you or that you were always, was, was there, a, did, did you get criticized a lot? Do you think there was some of that? I think that I had to work really hard to distance myself from the way that my dad socialized because my dad lost a lot of friends because my dad was not really very, uh, an easy person to get along with. So mm -hmm. from a very young age, I made a point to try to be the opposite. Uh, so he couldn't control his anger and he lost all his friends. Or it's what is an anger even. It was just tact. Uh, of something of which, but something, but something of which I have struggled with plenty. I mean, yeah, I, you know what? <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I've said plenty of tactless things in the past. I will continue to say tactless things. Yeah, you but know, it was I, not nearly to the level that he was. No, you know, it's funny. I think I, I have can picture you saying. I mean, I don't have anything in mind because God knows I'm the most inappropriate. I have no idea about being appropriate. That's probably why one reason why we get along so well. But the thing is, is that when you have said tactless things, you're coming from a, like, you're such a caring, warm, decent human being that, like, you can get away with 
saying something tactless because it's just honest and not meant in a bad way. And I think that, you know, it just, you know, you probably are actually helping some people just by being honest. You're very, you know, you yeah. know what I mean? I, so you don't have to worry about Go yeah. be tactless with me, please. I need to, I, I need to know the truth. Yeah. For, 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 I, I just wanted to tack onto that though and say that uh, I think from a very early age, my biggest concern was being misunderstood. And what do you mean by that? I think I wanted to make my try and overcompensate. Oh, you mean by like, like yeah, overexplaining over exactly. Oh. Mm. Yeah, and mm. so I think that's where the uh, the wanting to be friends, not even wanting to be friends, but just making sure that like everybody understands me on the same level, which is fucking possible. So like I look back at that kid that I was when I was like starting a new school and like. It, it, it was hard to not be a weirdo, but like at the very least, everybody thought I was a weirdo. So I guess I succeeded in that. You know, it's really funny how uh, what you're talking about. I mean, that's a very, I think, a very sophisticated level of self-awareness for such a young male. You know, mostly boys, I think, like, I mean, I saw my stepson grow up. He would never be thinking about what other people think. So I'm going to do a station ID. Okay, and do that. Hold on. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, thank you so much for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm uh, Dr. Lisa from Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. I'm here every Thursday, two to three. Today, I'm having a great conversation, session, therapy session, really, with Elon Danziger of Lost and Rewound. His show is right after mine every Thursday, yep. three to four p.m. But it won't be new today, unfortunately. Oh, don't don't missell it. Don't missell it. It's gonna be great. It's just it's not a new episode. I, okay, I, I well maybe my <laughs> listeners haven't heard it. You know, it we be got a good it. one. Yeah, I don't know it's, what it's gonna be. It's gonna it's some episode that previously aired. It'll be a great one. So see, you guys should be listening because Elon is going to handpick the episode today. Okay. Yes. That's, That's right. special for the quarantine. So anyway, I would love you guys to like have the app. So why don't you go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and go to uh, uh, Andrew, Android or iPhone and you can download the app, which means that if you have the app, you can listen to me, then Elon, and then the rest of the afternoon all just by pushing the button. And you have to think about it again. And you got like your whole... You got the whole day entertained from all sorts of kinds of music and talk from Radio Free Brooklyn. Thanks so much. So let's get back to Elon, who I was digging. We were like, we were like, I was trying to make Elon uncomfortable about talking about his anger issues. Yeah, too late. Now I am even more comfortable because I'm reclining like uh, any good patient of therapy. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're like, you can lie down, right? Why not? Because we're not in the studio. So, um, Elon was saying, like, I, we were talking about how Elon uh, had this sort of, you know, need to get, get all the kids to like him and stuff like that. And yeah. now, <laughs> now he's finally over it, but he okay. really needed to. And it's because his dad, your dad wasn't very good at keeping him maintaining friends. So Elon has now overcompensated that's how you learn how to overcompensate and maintain all your friends, right? Yeah, I mean, I've learned f 
from my dad in a lot of ways how to maintain friendships. Uh, I uh, by not doing what he does. <laughs> well, here, here's here's a good example. I'm not going to go into full detail because I wouldn't do that. I love my dad too much. But right. uh, he went. He once went into business with a really dear friend of his, and it did not go well. What it? So, uh, it was it was a it was a business deal uh, unrelated to his work, uh, but they tried doing something together, and he put too much trust into this other person, who really screwed my dad over. I, I'm, uh, on my dad, I'm, on, I'm on my dad's side about it, but right, like, right. But it's just like it's proving an example of just like how even at the time, regardless of who's to blame, mm-hmm. it's just the you know the decisions that you make have consequences for years moving on that's and, so cool that you were able to learn like some really valuable life lessons from his error though i mean that's that is a good that it there is a that is a total silver sparkling silver lining what yeah. what how did it affect you what age were you this happened later in my life this happened i want to say i was 23 Oh, okay. But like, this was a person in my life. He was my, more or less, my godfather. He was my oh, dad. Okay. He was my dad's like best friend from when they were growing up, and mm-hmm. they remained in touch somehow uh, over the years. And uh, I would go to like concerts and shows with this guy, and you know, he was a guardian. Uh, you know, whenever I would go right. see all these amazing shows, I never went to a show with my dad. I never went did a whole lot of bonding with my dad growing up. Right. Um, so he my, was a family member. Really? He, this guy was extended family. And uh, yeah, and then he excommunicated himself from the family uh, in my 20s, uh, which was really sad. Um, I really kind of felt really sad about that to the point where I had to call him myself and be like, what the fuck? And he was like, look, man, I just can't do it. I can't. Like I, ha- I have to leave the Danziger zone, which, was a, which, which, which was such a sad thing for him to say. Because that was the name of my recording series that I had when I was a Aww. kid, like my first radio show. Aww. He was like, "I'm sorry, I have to leave the Danziger zone. I can't, I can't do it anymore." And he was sort of a bit of a father figure to you, or definitely a father figure, right? Definitely, definitely. So that's interesting. Do you think your father was ever jealous of your relationship with him? No. No. Okay. Because because I recognize that this guy was not ever going to be a father. I don't know if they ever did become parents. You know, the the closest he ever uh, became was as an uncle to his uh his brother's kids. Uh, and yeah, I mean, my understanding was is that uh it, it was well established that that couple were a uh a, a you know a part of my of of our family. You know, they were right. an extended family, right. but like no no jealousy. No. Ah, well, that, well, that, that's, um, Trust. probably, he, that's probably why he was so much fun. Cause he probably wasn't a parent type. He's probably no, fun to I, hang out with. No, he smoked weed. He was, uh, he smoked you weed know, with you. Not until I started smoking weed, uh, in, in high school, but like, he yeah. smoked weed with you in high school. That's crossing a boundary in my, in my, in my book. In my, it wasn't, my it wasn't, book. it wasn't in high school. Like, I was I, only after I started smoking weed in high school, and oh, eventually when I he see. found out, 
I think it uh, must have been when I was in college. Probably. Oh, okay. That's a little different. Yeah. That's a little different. But um, I want to get to, uh, we've got 15 minutes left, and I want to <laughs> make sure that we hear about your middle school years and how they affected you and what they were like. So um, what, 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 what was middle school like for you? Like, how do you remember it? Middle school can be defined uh, by the food that I ate, the vitamins that I had to take along with it, and being at a brand new school, smaller than the school I would have otherwise gone to had I continued the public school education. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll break it down, and we'll start from the, the school I went to. I went to a, a, an hour outside of Woodstock, where I was raised, in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's a school called Poughkeepsie Day School, and it was 300-some-odd uh, kids, pre-K through 12. And I started in seventh grade. And I, um, I had a lot of social like problems already to begin with. And it was mainly just due to the fact that, uh, you know, I'm in middle school. <laughs> we all Can are. I ask We're you a all... question? I yeah. want to ask you a question. Um, did your, so your parents, what you're saying is that your parents took you out of public school and put you in private school. Are you saying yeah. that? Yeah. And did you have much to do with the decision making sure. then? Yeah. And did. did you have like all, did you have friends that you weren't going to see again and stuff like that? Did it mean making a whole new set of friends? It did mean that I was not going to be seeing my normal friend group uh, nearly as much. And did I, that I, make you anxious? Were you going to miss them? How did you feel about that? Well, what was so thankful, I was very thankful that I had one of those friends in my, uh, that I was close with who lived across the street from me half the time. So, uh, you know, between him and another one of my dear friends who, are, you know, who I'm still friends with this day as well, um, they were like the friends that I kept after I finished up sixth grade. One of them, I never even went to school to begin with anyway. So it was mm -hmm. beside the point. Right. But, so, so like, it, you know, if I was hanging out with them and if I was friendly and, you know, going over their houses and like sleepovers and video game, uh, Oreo uh, cookie uh, right. uh, binging, you know, like, you right. know, things that like you did as boys. I mean, yeah, I was still uh, hanging out with those kids uh, even after. But it was very hard to make friends uh, at this new school. Absolutely. Because a lot of these people had known each other and were already right. friends. And so I was a little bit uh, in a hard place because I also was, you know, trying to fit in. I was trying to figure out a way to uh, redefine who I was. Wow. While also fitting in and blending in. And I, I can recall wearing skateboard shoes or like skateboard shirts or pants and being called a poser because I didn't own a skateboard and I wasn't skateboarding. <laughs> I, recall, uh, I recall being, um, uh, I recall just like having um, a lot of like weird reactions to the fact that I had the weirdest lunchbox of anybody. Uh, really? not, the, not, the, not, not the lunchbox itself, just like what was in the lunch. Oh, cool. The food? Um, yeah, I, I was on a wacky, wacky health food diet, Lisa. It was weird. Was it, that I, your idea? No, that was deaf my parents. <laughs> oh, so your parents were made you a freak. Your parents, did they know they were like setting you up for that? No, I don't think they did. I think 
they thought that they were doing the right thing. And they, and to this day, I do think genuinely that they did the right, the best they could. In right. The, but I have to give it up to them because fucking vitamins are expensive. They are expensive. Vitamin supplements, health food, you know, when you're raising a family and you're, you're raising two children and one of them has an entirely different set of uh, food and uh, uh, vitamin supplements that you're shopping for on top, you know, of so another So did they kid. feed you? Did you have your own vitamins? Did they give you, were they concerned about your physical health? I had a nutritionist who had uh, diagnosed me with a chemical imbalance when I was like 12. And, uh. and when I started the new school, it was like a perfect time because this oh, was the wow. diagnosis that it had occurred just around the end of sixth grade at public school. In my, uh, oh, wow. What was the, um, I just want to ask you, like, was the uh, physical imbalance, was that a physical thing, mental thing? What kind of, uh, or, you know, the imbalance, nutritional? I, I always have to, like, refer to the tape because I saved the tape and I've always, like, wanted to so desperately uh, pick it apart on my show and my mother actually does not uh, want me to do that. I do not okay. have her consent to do but, it, but she had like, they had a conversation with the, with the, this nutritionist about like, like after giving me a blood test that like certain levels in my, uh, in my uh, chemical makeup were, you know, lower than they needed to be or higher. And how come your sister didn't have this? She didn't have the same test? No, because she wasn't exhibiting any problems uh, with uh, homework or with social issues. Uh, mm. uh, so, so whereas, yeah, I was having you didn't fit in, and your parents were just trying everything, sort of. My, I, I was having problems with with uh, uh, academic. I was having academic problems. Mm -hmm. I clearly needed more attention, mm -hmm. um, and I was. I seem to recall I must have gone to the nurse's office with just like. Not panic attacks, maybe. Mm -hmm. my, my, my brain would freeze, and I wouldn't mm -hmm. know how to respond. So I would have to do something, and mm -hmm. all I could think of was I need to go to the nurse and like lie down for a minute. Right. So you you got a yeah. Your your parents clearly wanted to do whatever they could to to help you, which is really great. So you had a weird lunch. You had weird lunchbox. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that what I was just mentioning was sixth grade. And then they were like, okay, we're going to give you a blood test and see what's going on based on the recommendation mm -hmm. of this nutritionist that we've never met. We pay like $200 mm -hmm. for a phone call. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, right. So, okay. So I, okay. Get, I, I get all these food, like dietary supplements. Yeah. You didn't have like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and ring. Cashew butter. Cashew, Cashew butter. butter and jelly on like rye or pumpernickel bread. So, so like, did, the kids, did the kids pick on that? Oh, sure. I think they had every right to. Or like the fact that when I was taking my vitamin supplements and I was in math class turning a flushing red because of the niacin rushes I was on. Oh, wow. Wow. So, um, but that must have been a huge change when you went to a new school for somebody that's concerned about making friends, right? It's not an ideal setup to be starting a new school while flushing red from niacin rushes. Yes. Yeah, not, right. Not, not ideal, not ideal. So what was the, so tell me more, tell me more about that experience. Oh, I mean, it was uh, kind of mortifying um, because it just was something that only I experienced. It wasn't like I connected with other kids who uh, made their own uh, 
food, you know, issues with food and issues. Oh, oh no, I mean beyond the food. The food oh, I mean one aspect, which, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I was, t- I was still short. I was still. Oh, you were short. A big nose, you know, wearing, uh, you know, baggy clothing to overcompensate for small stature. Uh huh. Um, you were small. Are you? I you're was, too, right? I, I'm a, I'm a, a yid to the max. Were there other Jewish kids? Funny. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I was not, and, and the thing is that this school is, for what it may be worth, uh, filled with a lot of kids with very affluent upbringings. Uh, mm-hmm. I, that was not my upbringing at mm-hmm. all. Uh, my mm-hmm. parents maxed out on credit cards in the seventies and uh, mm-hmm. had a, uh, you know, a lot to do in order to make uh uh, living and to take care of their kids. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, my parents are thankfully really good now. Uh, but, you know, it took years for them to, you know, get to a place where, mm-hmm. uh, at least at the time, you know, being able to work my, uh, and take care of their kids. My, mm-hmm. my mother would go away for a few days, four or five days during middle school during the week to work in the city. My dad worked long hours. Um, mm-hmm. Both my parents worked a fuck ton just to, you know, mm-hmm provide mm-hmm. for the kids. Yeah, they really wanted you to have, they made a lot of sacrifices. They wanted you to have Absolutely. every advantage you could. And because you had some kind of trouble that I think a lot of really great creative people have, you know, just fitting in and yeah. maybe some weird cognitive things. That's very normal, I think, for creative people, but it can make one feel, so did you feel like an outsider then? Like, were you- yeah. Were you yeah. super aware of that? I've I've never not been aware of being an outsider. I've never not been aware of being the kid in the corner. I've never not been aware of being uh, of having of being on the beat of a different drum. I've never not mm-hmm. been aware of uh, the fact that I'm slower than everybody. I've never not been aware that uh, I require uh, you know a more uh, sensitive approach uh, to anything. I think like I've been aware of all these things. I was aware when kids were at, were being uh when, when kids in, you know were being entitled and acting like fucking shitheads. Oh. I, I oh. was I you know I, yeah. I was I was never too afraid to call call people out to their faces, but you know like to what extent? Like what is that going to do? Like yeah, you're really brave. <laughs> well, I think so. I mean, I think that leaves you with your self-respect and in certain ways must have uh, had the other kids. So you were able to say, hey, you do, you're being a douchebag, you know, because you have a skateboard, you have the, ex, you know, expensive skateboard, that kind of thing. I, sometimes I just let it roll off me. I think I learned uh, a, a, okay. a long time ago that uh, if you just ignore it, they'll go away. Mm-hmm. And eventually that wasn't the case, mm-hmm. but I mean, it came to a point where I was just applying what I had learned in sixth grade, which was just to like, not take anything they say to heart. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all just fucking being boys or they're all just joking around. So don't take it too seriously. Oh, good. So I just, wow. I, I just let a lot of shit roll off my back from a really young age. Wow. Wow. That's very cool. Uh, so do you feel like, I mean, I see you as somebody who's very well liked now. Do you, do you, do you internalize? You are, that's the reality. Do you internalize that as, do you know that you are? Can you feel that you are? Um, no, I don't. So you don't don't. feel well, like you told me you were the king 
that you were very modest about it. He was very modest about it, folks. But he is, I, I didn't know this about Elon until like we had this brief chat before this session. But it turns out that Elon is kind of a leader in the karaoke community. And, uh, or because he likes organize, he loves the singing, but he also likes putting other people on stage. So, I mean, yep. that's a fact, Elon. That is a fact, yep. So there are facts that you are very well liked or uh, people respond to you and follow you. I'm you sure that if people heard my name and they haven't thought of me in a while, they would probably be like, oh yeah, that was the guy who, ran outside the bar during Iran by a flock of seagulls and danced around and then came back in and was able to pick the song right back up as the lyrics started again. Like wow. that, that, that's, that's the guy, that's the guy who was dancing around. That's the guy who was photographing and has all the photos up on Facebook, which is wow. the only for friends in the first place. That's the guy who, uh, you know, just was a real like joy de vivre, um, like people oh, would wow. say that about me. Wow! Wow! Are are those videos on your on YouTube? Uh, I don't think those are on YouTube. No. Um, can you uh, send the, me a link, one of them that I can post? Can you send? Do you have a link to that? Can you put it up so I can post it with the show? <laughs> I I will see if I can find a uh, uh, some valuable uh, inf uh video uh, footage of me from way back, uh, singing karaoke. That but, would be I mean, great. That would be great. So we have a minute and a half left. So I oh just boy. want to sum this up. I want to say that, uh, you know, I think middle school for you, it sounds like was, uh, a kind of, uh, put a, put a real like, uh, magnifying glass on some of the issues that you might've had naturally with, uh, you know, being accepted, having friends and stuff like that and ingratiating yourself with other people, which I think has sort of informed perhaps you today, but that you actually really like things. You're good if there's an act, you're com most comfortable if there's an activity like karaoke or doing a radio show with other people because that gives you a feeling of community where you're doing something together and there's not so much focus on who you are in that person. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Um, there was a while where I was very comfortable being on the front center of the stage and grabbing the limelight. You know, I'm a performer through and through. I'm an artist, I'm an yeah. actor, I'm a performer, I'm a creator. Um, and the, uh, I, I've learned to be able to accept that I thrive and enjoy at being able to pro provide that performance without necessarily being center stage. You know what, Elon, we got 20 seconds. And I just want to say, I'm so glad we did this because I feel like I know you and I understand you and I appreciate you and love you even more than I did an hour ago. So I love you, Lisa. That, Thank you. Uh, well, anyways, and I just want to say thanks again for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, the greatest station in the Western Hemisphere.